Mr. Daw, what is on the agenda today? Well, Mr. Hatch, Mr. Book has informed us to imprint information about the following audio vibratory recording. What do you mean, Mr. Daw? This audio vibratory recording contains a profane lexicon, ripened circumstances, eternal darkness, and a neo-noir enigma. What about our brethren and the tuning, Mr. Dor? You are correct, Mr. Hatch. Our brethren, the tuning, as well as a nebbish Jack Bauer, a melodious Jennifer Connelly, and a spiralless city bereft of memories. Listener discretion is advised, Mr. Dor. Shut it down! Episode 33, Home is the Mind. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Spyrokin Movie Review. This is your host, Zan. And this is Timbo. Hey, how's everybody doing out there in the interwebs land? Hi. Yes, we're actually waiting to hear a response. (laughs) Three hours later. (laughs) Well, no one has answered (laughs) our call, so I guess we'll start this episode. Uh, For those of you who are joining us for the first time, welcome. Spyrokin side that provides information and reviews about... Well, connectly enhanced narratives. Movies, books, other things. This is our movie review podcast, so obviously we talk about... Films. Yes, films, which you see on TV or in theaters or on VHS, which most of you don't remember. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) It's before your time. Or DVD or on digital interwebs. Correct. What we do is we, every episode we'll talk about a movie, we'll tell you the highlights about it, what's good about it, what's bad about it, we might spoil a little bit about it if it passes a certain point in time, if it's before a certain date, actually ten years beforehand, and we'll tell you what we think about it. You don't have to agree with anything we say, but I've heard we're slightly entertaining a little bit. Yep. We're still around. Yep. <laughs> yep. This is uh, 33 episodes in for this and 122 episodes for the Spirekin Manga Review, our brother podcast. And you can check out any of our earlier episodes on the iTunes feed, the Zooms feed, or at Also, you can call us at 206-350-8462, leave a voicemail, and we will play it on air. Ooh, any questions? Yes, any questions or statements or whatever, we will play, and we will answer any questions you leave. As long <laughs> as it's not creepy rantings like, Why don't you review Deliverance to talk about why they squeal like a pig? 
Yeah, we don't we don't want to talk about that. <laughs> yes, we do not want to talk about that. So, uh, if you also if you want to email us, you can email me at timbo at spirekin.com. You can email me at zan at or you can send us a generic email at spirekin at gmail.com. If you have Xbox, you can play me on Zan Space Spirekin. Ooh. Yes. Unfortunately, I don't have any The wonders games. of technology. Yes. And if you believe in Skynet, well then, <laughs> we are all screwed. <laughs> but knowing our current technology, I can just imagine Skynet now just being like, instead of being this ultra, what you call it, just it goes the other way. It's kind of just like, it's a more lazy- internet pool. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's an artificial intelligence that sits in front of its own, com- itself, eating Cheetos, <laughs> naked. Digital Cheetos, <laughs> naked. <laughs> Watching porn. <laughs> yes. And, and then just wondering what's going on. <laughs> And then, the, and then the Terminators are just like lazy blobs. <laughs> hey, I will terminate you now. <gasps> A cheeseburger. <laughs> Target acquired. Was that a something? <laughs> I must get you now. Give me all your ice cream if you want to live. Uh, oh, we had to throw in a Terminator joke. Or uh, uh, an Arnold joke. Arnold! Alright. Oh, yes. This Ooh. podcast does not contain Arnold. Yes, however. unfortunately not. <laughs> yes, we're done with the month of sword sorcery and this What do you guys for two? Yes, it's already over. We're back to normal standings. It's over. Mm. Unfortunately, some of you are like, no! We want to hear more Arnold. Don't worry. We're going to have a theme month in a couple of months, which is about Arnold, but we're here to talk about other things. Specifically about movies and other things. Now, do we have any emails? Well, actually, no. No No. emails. Maybe later. We also have other things to speak of. Specifically, because we're not going to have a voting after next month, because we already had the list for what we're going to be doing for our theme month for April. Mm -hmm. The next theme month is going to be in June, then July. I know that makes no sense, two months back to back, but we're doing something a little different. The reason why is we're going to have you vote for June and July. Now... Let me give you the list of possible theme months we have for upcoming months. Now, the first one is the month of Studio Ghibli movies, a.k.a. Why why is this not as popular as Disney? We'll have such movies as Nausicaa, Valley of the Wind, Kiki's Delivery Service, Spirited Away, My Neighbor Totoro, Howl's Moving Castle, Castle Castle Princess Mononoke, Grave of the Fireflies, and, and several others. That's some nice touches. The next one is the Obscure Comic Month. A month of comics which most people don't know are comics. And you're probably wondering, wait, wait, wait. How is something a comic but not a comic? Huh. Well, we're talking about movies like Red or Ghost World or American Splendor or Road to Perdition. Or how about A History of Violence? Yes, that's on here too. And also another one is Risk Cutters, A Love Story. Mm-hmm. And From Hell. Yes, From Hell was, was actually... A very long, long comic. It was pretty big. It was a pretty, yes, it was a very big volume. Another one which is on there, which I don't know why I put it on here, but Sin City. Hmm. But most people know it was a comic. That's the problem. It's like the yeah. spirit. So yeah. I don't know. It, it's it, tough. It's hard. It's hard to to know what exactly people do know and what they don't know. Well, we do have. We're in an age yeah. where we come out with so many movies now that yeah, half of them you don't even realize that they were either a book or a graphic novel or 
Yep. Well, of course we're going to have a superhero month. We're trying to do that for July, but that might not be the case. Something else might be voted in. Mm -hmm. We'll see what happens. Besides that, we also have the month of singing out of tune. Musicals, but different type of musicals. I'm not talking about, like, Annie or Singing in the Rain or what's another really potential old school one? Uh, Uh. Xanadu. (laughs) We're talking about things like the Blues Brothers or... Repo, the genetic opera, Sweeney Todd, or Rent, or Moulin Rouge, or Idlewild. Hmm. Things which are contemporary but different at the same time, yeah. and Tommy will be on there. Because, well, it's Pete yeah. Townsend playing. Yeah. So, so rock operas and, and odd assorted musicals. Very true. The next one on our list is the month of Like a Pebble in the Water. These are, I'm confused. Yes, well, I, there's an actual additional line to that. Like a pebble in the stream of time. Time travel? Yes, time travel. We had really... Br- can we go back to the time travel? Think about Folks, that. he's trying to make my brain explode. He's trying to make my brain leak out of my ears. But listen to the movies we have on this list. Okay. We have Back to the Future. A classic. Time Cop. Oh, Time Cop. Sound <laughs> of Thunder. I don't know that one. It's about the theory of if you step on a butterfly... Uh, ah, yeah. so, butterfly effect. The butterfly effect, effect is on <laughs> here? The source code, rather. The source code, yes, which is which is coming out soon, or has already come out. Free Jack. Free Jack. Oh, Mick Jagger. Time Bandits in the Time Machine, and then there's one other movie, a movie which most people don't think of. Now, the first one is about a robot. The Terminator. That's uh, definitely a time travel movie. Yes, and one other. A movie about a man who, him and his compatriots go on a spaceship, and they land on a planet. You damn dirty apes! It's a time travel movie. <laughs> it is a time travel movie. But it's also a post-apocalypse movie, so... Yes. Kind of the... Yes, the next one is an honest man's work. Or an honest day's work. Hmm. What would be a good honest day's work? I mean, movies like... Interesting. The Italian Job, The Score, <laughs> Ocean's Eleven, Heat... Reservoir Dogs, Armored, you know, honest work. Heist movies. <laughs> yes, a lot of heist movies. Okay, next one is Why Were These Movies Made Month? Now, some people are like saying, these movies are all popular and contemporary, but really, why were these movies made? Even if they are popular, why? Let's put some of these on here. First one is, your mom went to college. <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite, Napoleon Nacho Dynamite. Libre, Little Miss Sunshine. Rushmore, yeah. Zuzo, ah uh, yes, The Zuzo. Dodging Limited. It's a lot yeah. of indie films, like the Super. Very interesting movies that are very entertaining, but you wonder how the heck did they get the money to make that, or why <laughs> did they make that? Yeah. Okay. Next we have Kicking Ass, the month of Kicking Ass, not Kick Ass the superhero. <laughs> now, promoting what could be in a month of Kicking Ass, I will tell you a movie which is very awesome indeed. It is the Five Deadly Venoms. And Kung Fu Panda. Ninja even, Assassin. Even though you guys cannot see him, he's he's doing the, the bad dubbing with his lips. Yeah, Seven Samurai and 36 <laughs> Chambers of the Shaolin Monks. The sight gags don't really work over a podcast, Zan. Damn! <laughs> Time to get out the camera. Oh, God, now I don't want to see our faces. But I think that's a good month, the month of Kung Fu. Yes. So we have to change the name, I think, because I'm kicking ass. You guys email us, sparkandgmail.com, for a better title than the month of kicking ass. Yes. We should, we, but wouldn't Ninja Assassin be under the month of kicking ass? Because that's just killing people, not kicking ass. Hmm. Hmm. Because Last Dragon's on here. Shaolin Soccer's 
Well, you know, Shaolin Shocker I should take off because that is more of a sports movie than a... Right. They just movie. use Kung Fu to kick a ball. Very true. So that one we'll take off. Kung Fu Panda we're keeping on. Street Fighter. The, not, I'm not talking about Street Fighter with Van Damme. I'm talking about the original Sonny Chiba Street Fighter. Yes. Where he punches a guy yes. in the face. Yes. Not based on the on the video games. Yes. Drunken Master and Drunken Master 2. Awesome. So at seven, how, about, seven, how about Enter the Dragon? Yes, it's on here. Ah. And Chinese Connection. Oh. Very yes. nice. It will be good. And now the last month that we have on this list so far, because there's four others we're working on, but this one is the month of Mauser, Hauser, and Kimball. I <laughs> uh, am back, bitches! <laughs> Arnold month! Yes, a month. You have returned! Arnold with Kindergarten Cop and Toto Rico <laughs> and End of Days and Red Sonia and Junior! All classics. And Jingle All the Way! Jingle All the Way! A classic in its own right. And the Running Man in Predator. <laughs> running Man. And yes. Terminator 2. Yes. And Red Sonia. Yes. And Hercules in New York. <laughs> yes. Excellent, excellent, excellent. No. That's like going to be like a rapid fire month of. We're going to be like. It's going to be like podcasts like every day. Because there's so many Arnold movies at this point. I'm sure we could probably do one every day. No, we could. We could. But we, we only. But. According to the rules of the dodecahedron, we uh, must abide by it. Uh, now the question is, would Odie be a part of that? Or I'm sure he would be a part of, of a few episodes on that. Well, I think that we are going to coincide the Kung Fu Month with his film, which you can check out at www.kungfuandtitties.com. <laughs> yes, the website is up. Which he, is also, and it's also on Facebook, Yes, in case you wanted to look for it. Yes, last time he was on was in episode 22 or 21. I don't remember, but it was with the one with Troll, yes. and then with... Ricky O. Ricky which unfortunately, o. you had to miss that episode. Yes, unfortunately, I had to step out. Yes. I really wanted to be a part of that one. But. Yes, with uh, with his eye with mints in it. <laughs> Excellent movie, but, but you're not going to miss the Fist of the North Star episode. No, Da-da-da. I will not. I will not miss Fist of the North Star. Which, that's actually under the post-apocalypse. Oh, that was the last one. I forgot the No Man's Land. Ah, oh, No Man's Land. Yes, the month of No Man's Land, which is actually going to mean we're going to do that in 2012. And that is movies like Soil and Green, The Matrix, Book it's of Eli, people! Six String Samurai, <laughs> Escape from L.A. or New York, The Postman, Waterworld, Land of the Dead. But is Land of the Dead really a post-apocalypse movie? Um, or is it a zombie movie? Well, I think it, it can be kind of cross-genre, uh, because it is a zombie movie, but... But it's it's after the zombie apocalypse already kind of happened. The zombies are still there, but the humans have kind of learned mm-hmm. to live in this post. It's a, it's an apocalypse. It's a zombie apocalypse. So we, and it's post that, and they're living in the world. So with and around for the them. month of quote unquote zombies, we'll leave Dawn of the Dead. The, the two correct. The, the, we'll the compare the Dawn two. of the Dead and, and Night of the Living Dead would be considered zombie because that's when the zombies are. Happening. That's when they're overwhelming people and they don't yes. understand what's going on. Well, according to the email we had for the month of quote-unquote zombies, we're going to have movies which monsters that are considered zombies but might not be zombies. And you're probably Correct. Like, what do you mean by that? We're not just talking about movies like Shaun of the Dead, which is going to be on there, and Dawn yeah. of the Dead. We're talking about movies like Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. You're probably wondering, wait, what do you mean? Well, according to the dictionary, a zombie is an undead corpse that feeds on people. And what does Correct. a vampire do? Feeds on people. And what about the movie The Mummy? It's an undead corpse that eats people's souls. <laughs> and here's another one. Frankenstein. 
Undead corpses put together, reanimated, <laughs> doesn't true. eat people, but he throws little girls into water. And then reanimator. Just <laughs> undead people brought back to life. Alright, I have a question. Sure. Alright, because now, now I want to make sure I understand the rules. Okay, now 28 Days Later is technically considered a zombie movie. But it's, However, this, they're living. They're living. That's what I want. That's what I just want to clarify. But they wouldn't be in this month. Correct. That's, well, under- that's what I want to make sure. I, I want to make sure that I'm. Yes. I'm. I'm clarifying that. All right. So, 28 days later would not count in if we were following the direct dictionary definition because in 28 days later they're still alive. They're just infected. Yes, that would be for more a biological would, virus. Correct. I would really like to do 28 days later in the zombie month, but I will abide by the rules. We should keep that for like a biological biohazard month, like Resident yeah. Evil. Well, actually, oh, yeah. no. Resident Evil are they zombies? Actually, they're they're no half of them like stars. <laughs> Wait, no. In according to the movie, he's not dead. He's her. He's her boyfriend. Yeah. Which makes no sense, really. Yeah, I, Resident Evil is kind of like first one easy. was good. Second one, okay. We won't talk about the third one. Baz swears by the fourth one. Yeah, we'll see. I, I haven't. I've seen the first three. I have not seen the last one yet. So. I'll, I'll reserve judgment. What other biological movies are there for, for viruses? Um, you have Andromeda Strain. You have uh, Outbreak. Outbreak. <laughs> you have Outbreak. Uh, 28 Days Later and the Weeks Later. Yep. Or do, you count, or do we just count that as one episode? Because um, the second one really it was just a redone of the first one. You could do that in like two minutes. Yeah, the, the second one kind of was just like... You could probably you could probably do both reviews in one in in one episode. I would say. Yeah, it's like the T- Change Mutant Ninja Turtles thing. We can yeah. do all of them in one episode. Yeah, you, really, the sequels are just there's not a whole lot to talk about after yeah after a while. Mm-hmm. So what other viruses? Uh, Daybreakers, it's technically a virus. They're mm-hmm. va- they're not, but they're living vampires. Right. You could even you could kind of consider the Blade movies a virus. They could turn back the yeah they they, they kind of explain it as them having a virus. Very true. And they're not necessarily dead; they just have a virus. That's they kind of I don't know. Yeah. I, it's been a long time since I watched the first Blade movie, but that but, was kind of. But that, but he's a Marvel superhero, so that kind of throws that out. The yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we could. There's although if you watch that movie, not knowing that you would never know it was a comic book. Very true. That's another one of those obscure comic mm-hmm. book movies, but now he's back on being part of the Midnight Suns. And right, 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 right. But at the time, if if you weren't, because he, he's not a, he's not a super well known character. Very true. Very true. Um, and oh, just to let you guys know, for the, uh, the superhero movies, we're doing about the superhero movies. Five movies are not going to be on this list. You're probably wondering why, and I'll tell you now because they're all shitty movies. Even though I know we should have shitty movies. I don't want to do them because they make me mad. First one <laughs> is starring one of my least favorite actors, The Cage. That's Ghost Rider. Ugh. Second one is... That, that's all I gotta say. Ugh. Second <laughs> one is starring, well, a woman who's deaf, and she's done better than this. Halle Berry. Ugh. Catwoman. Ugh. Ugh. Next one is a movie with Ang Lee. Ugh. Ugh. Yes, Ang Lee. The first Hulk. Ugh. All right, next one is... Very old movie, a movie with fake ears and, n- and fake nipples. Yes, the original 
Captain America from well, not the oh, original, but oh, Captain oh, America. Oh. I was going somewhere else with that. No, we're not doing <laughs> that one yet. That one's in something else. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the, oh, that's an Arnold movie. The, the old Captain America. Oh, the fake rubber ears was so ridiculous. Yes, and the other one oh. was an Arnold movie. Oh uh, yeah. Ah. We rolled that. You would be crazy. And then last... No but, Batman and Robin, please. Okay, the last one for the superhero movies that we're not going to do. Unfortunately, people are saying, oh, you should do it, you should, but honestly, I don't think it is worth doing. And that is the new movie coming out, Dylan Dog. Ah. Because it's not a superhero movie, it's a crappy Italian comic. And my Italian fans are Italian fans are like, why are you making fun of Dylan Dog? It's because they got rid of the fact that his sidekick in the comics is a Groucho Marx impersonation or thinks he's Groucho fucking Marx <laughs> and in the movie he's a zombie. Okay. It doesn't look like Groucho Marx. Yeah, I haven't read it so I don't really... I'm not really all that interested in the movie. Our friend Johanna actually has a copy of it. Ah. Yes, she was showing me it. It's pretty bad. Either way, we're getting... Alright, now that we're done with that little conversation which took us... some killed some time, I think. Yeah. Now we're on to the part we've all been waiting for and what are we talking about? We are talking about... Zabra Review! Dun dun dun... Yes. So if you remember from the last episode, one of the longest episodes ever, <laughs> we rolled the Dodecahedron a movie that it dictated on us that we were reviewing a movie that is, well, pretty fucking dark. It's in the title. It's actually in the title. <laughs> but the movie is pretty inventive and different. Now, the movie was directed and produced by Alex Proya. He's an Australian filmmaker, and he was made famous for a movie which I happen to know very well because my former neighbor when I lived a long time ago in the city of New York, he was actually an actor in this movie. And it's famous because of the fact that the lead actor in the film got killed because of a stunt problem. Ooh. Yes. The infamous Crow. Ah, Which came out in 1994. Which actually is going to be in the month of superheroes even though he's not a superhero, he's an anti-hero. Yeah. Also did iRobot and Knowing. Huh. So yeah, his, his movie's kind of... Hit and miss. Took a, took a downturn. <laughs> so when he's producing, then it goes to garbage. Except this movie, I don't think. Because he also mm-hmm. was a screenwriter in this film. And besides being paying for it, this movie was... And he's, he wrote it. So he wrote it, he produced it, and he directed it. And it, it's actually starring a pretty unique cast. Because these are all, for the most part, A-listers. Except for the main character. I don't really know him he, too well. Well, we'll get to him first. Let's go yeah. on some of the background characters. Now, the first character we have is... William Hurt. William Hurt. Some of you may know him from, well... From quite a few movies. Uh, He was in The Village. He was in... He was in Jane Eyrie. He was in Lost in Space. Lost in Space. (laughs) He was in Sunshine. He was in Dune, the remake. He played Duke of Trades. Mm -hmm. He was in AI, a really crappy movie, which I didn't like. He was in Tuck Everlasting. He was in Frankenstein. He was in History of Violence, which we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. He was in Mr. Brooks. Yep, Mr. Brooks was a good movie. You, you might know him, more importantly, as General Thunderbolt Ross from The Incredible Hulk. That is true. He's an award-winning actor. He's pretty cool. next character we have is actually... You know him. You love him. You, you used to see him on Fox waterboarding terrorists. And he was a vampire at one point in his life. But he was the star of 24. Yes. His name is Kiefer Sutherland. You all know who you he is. You mean Jack Power. His name is Jack Power. His, his name is Jack Power. His name is Jack Power. He's going to bust in through the window and, like, kill us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jack Bauer! <laughs> and then you're just going to hear a clock ticking in the background. <laughs> yes, Kiefer Sutherland. Now, if you don't know who he is or you're living under a rock, what the fuck was wrong with you? He's Kiefer Sutherland. He's actually old money in the... In His the, father was Donald Sutherland. 
who was also a famous actor. His stepmother was a famous actress. Uh, his mother, Shirley Douglas, is an actress. And he's actually an English-Canadian-American. Huh. Because his parents are Canadian, but he was born in London. He's got multiple citizenships, which is pretty yeah, cool. that is pretty cool. Even though his name is a little weird, it's Kiefer. 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 And he's done a shitload of movies. I mean, yeah. besides his first movie, Max Duggan Returns, he's been in Young Guns, Young Guns 2, Flatliners... The Lost Boys. Of course. A Few Good Men. <laughs> the Cowboy Way. He was in Armitage, the third. Polymatrix. Right. and that, But no, but he kept saying that he wasn't. Yes. Yeah, kept telling people that he wasn't. Or somebody kept saying he wasn't. He was in Watership Down. He was in 24 as Jack Bauer. Mm-hmm. He was in Phone Booth. He was in The Sentinel. He was in The Simpsons. He was in Monsters vs. Aliens. And... He was in Call of Duty World at War, apparently. Huh. Yes. And he was in Dragonlance. <laughs> uh, so he's a very seasoned actor. Yeah. And he, his character in this movie is pretty intriguing, but we'll get to him in a bit. Next character we have is Jennifer Connelly. Most people remember her from Re- Requiem for a Dream. At least that's what I remember her from most, yes. of the, most of the time. She was also in The House of Sand and Fog with Sir Ben Kingsley. There yes. we go. He was in yes. with Sir Ben Kingsley. He was also <laughs> in The Horrible Hulk. Yes. By Angley's Hulk. Ugh. She was in Beautiful Mind. And she was also in Mulholland Drive and Higher Learning. Hmm. Yes, in the movie which I remember her from. Well, there's two movies I remember her from. First one is Career Opportunities, where she played a thief. Mm. And the movie which I remember her from, Salafuen <laughs> Labyrinth. Yeah. And she plays a pretty well cool character in this. She's very and she has aged very well. I'll tell you this yes. now. She's still hot. She's still, you know, and she's ten years older than us. Mm. She's still hot though. God, she's almost forty. It's crazy. Still, All right. still banging. Yeah, she, she she's a uh, she's a. Uh... Now let's. I get... I still have fond memories of one scene from a movie. I'm not gonna say much more than that. I know movie. <laughs> yes. yes. Now we will pause. In my younger years. <laughs> even though the even though kind of if you take that scene with other stuff, it's not so. Yeah, let, let's 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 anyway, say that for now. Anyway, <laughs> now let's get into the antagonists of the film. Now, one of them is Ian Richardson. Now, some of you may wonder who the fuck is Ian Richardson. I think he's he's dead. British and he's dead. <laughs> he died in two thousand seven, and he was famous for being movies like House of Cards. He was in the Final Cut, uh, Robin Williams, and well, he does a lot, he did a lot of TV movies. He was in Brazil. He was in uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. He's in the Year of the Comet as a crazy person. He was in Baps, surprisingly. <laughs> he's in 102 Dalmatians. He's in From Hell. And he's in this movie. And he was in Madden Butterfly. But, again, we're getting off topic. Now, he's the big villain. But yes. then we have the main, the face of evil in this movie. One of my personal favorites, someone we've viewed on several occasions, and I'm talking about one, the only, Richard O'Brien. <laughs> And he still looks as creepy as he fucking did <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, he, he's a creepy, creepy man. Yes, and we've reviewed two of his movies already. We reviewed him in Flash Gordon, and we reviewed him in his episodic and wonderful film, Rocky Horror Picture Show. He's also been in Spice World, Ever After, Dungeons and Dragons, and he was in... Elvira's Haunted Hills. I know he was in another movie, though. I can't remember what fucking movie he was in. He was just in a movie, too. That's why. Mm. 
Yo, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or something else. I can't remember. What else was he fucking in? He was just in a movie. I just saw it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll remember later. But Well, he's a creepy, creepy man. That's that's really all you gotta get from this. He's he's a creepy man. He's also a he's a pretty just he's very recognizable and he actually works for this movie and something interesting. Alex Proyas based his villains in this thing on Riff Raff from Rocky Horror Picture Show and he pretty much begged him to be in this movie and he said yeah. okay because he had that androgynous quality to him yeah which kind of fits in a lot of stuff and he's kind of got that that voice like like an otherworldly he has the Tim Curry voice off today which is yeah. like that kind of it's creepy but at the same time it's enticing yeah but Tim Curry does it better mm. you put them more together it's like that harmony like, <laughs> you, you get who else has a creepy voice like that? It's Tim Curry. It's Richard um, Bryan. It's one other person with that voice. You put three of them together, the world will freaking end. <laughs> oh, either way, let's a get singularity. The- a singularity would take place, and yes. everything would get sucked in. So let's get to the last actor in this movie. That is Rufus Sewell. Now, Rufus Sewell, most of you wonder, who the fuck is that? Well, 99% of the movies he's in, he's the villain. Perfect example is, one of the movies you might know him from is A Knight's Tale, where he is Count Adamar. He was in Helen of Troy as Agamemnon. As would, a would A Knight's Tale fall under the category of the weird musicals? Yes. Okay. You have, uh, <laughs> he was in The Illusionist as Prince Leopold, who was the villain. He was in The Holiday as Jasper, who was the villain. He mm. was in The 11th Hour as Dr. Jacob Hood, a villain. He was in The Legend of Zorro as Armand, who was a villain. <laughs> he was in Bless His Child as Eric Stark, who was kind of a protagonist, but not really. He primarily plays villain roles, but he's not as douchebaggy as Christopher McDonald. He's more like, if Christopher McDonald is the douchebag, he's more of that upper-crust, rich, nose-in-the-air... Snobby. Snobby, but if you fuck with him, he will make sure you get killed. Yeah. Like, Christopher McDonald is the one who gets, I'm afraid of you. Mm. He's the guy who's like, okay, you want to fuck with me? I'll kill you. Yeah. Like uh, Severus Snape or Voldemort or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. So, the movie we're talking about is... Dark City. Yes, and we've killed ten minutes just bringing to that <laughs> point. And this came out in 1998. It is a sci-fi film noir-esque drama. Sort of murder mystery to some degree. It's got a, it's got a few different genres... Yeah, it's all mashed up into It's this. mashed up and well, the gross revenue for this movie is twenty seven million dollars. And this movie is a hit. Actually, interestingly enough, commentary in this movie, Roger Ebert. He loves this movie. This movie is critically acclaimed and it's made quite a bit of money. I mean, it premiered, it had fourteen million dollars in domestic sales. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's really good for a time. Nineteen ninety eight, that's pretty good. Yeah. And, and it wasn't, as far as I remember, it wasn't a movie that was really advertised a lot, Yeah, as I recall. I saw this in theaters. I remember seeing this in theaters. I yeah. was bored and I actually saw it, and this is a radar movie, and they just let me in. Because <laughs> I looked old. Was it 17 at the time? No, six, 16 or 17. I can't yeah. fucking remember. It was a long yep. time ago. Many years ago. So, to give it a rough, non-spoilery, because some of you, because we're going to spoil the shit out of this movie, but let's give you yeah. There's quick... really no way to talk about this movie without spoiling the shit out of it. Let's give you a basic rough outline. It opens up where a guy wakes up in a bathtub, like most film noir movies. Yeah. Where you got the protagonist wakes up, he doesn't know who he is, and it's that trying to find out who the hell he is. Yeah. So he's lost his memory. He wakes up in this bathtub. 
kind of freaks out because he realizes he lost his memory. And there's a dead girl in the corner. Yeah. So he kind of starts trying to piece the puzzle together again. Yes, and as he's piecing it together, he gets a phone call from this doctor, who's played sorry, Kiefer Sullen, <laughs> who, in a gaspy breath, he talks very... It's kind of comical, but it's a, it's under. If you watch the whole movie and understand it, it makes sense why he talks like that. Yeah. But he kind of rasps out that I'm your doctor. You've lost your memory. You have to leave the room now. Yeah. So he basically tells him he has to get out, and somebody's looking for him. And he as he he leaves the room, he flees the scene, and he's trying to piece together who he is. And over time, he discovers in the city where he lives in, which is an unnamed city, you find that everything is. A little off. There's not what it seems, basically. Yes, like he's up for hours on end and there's no sunlight. Mm-hmm. He's like up for at least two days. Yep. At least. At least. That's <laughs> and also every 12 hours or so, for some apparent reason, everything stops except him. Yeah. Everybody kind of just passes out. They fall asleep. And then the town kind of changes a little bit. Yep. Buildings kind of rearrange themselves. They get They, they change shape. Yes. Streets change, things, people get moved around. Yes. And so the whole premise of the movie is the main character, who he finds out after finding his wallet at Automat, John Murdoch, he is trying to find out who he is, is he the murderer, and what the fuck is going on in this city. Yeah. What, what is the, what's the conspiracy that's happening here? Yes. And that's the film in a nutshell. And like any other film noir, we can't forget the femme fatale, the cop who's trying to figure out what's going on, the mysterious villains you have, all the inhabitants who are unusual in the city, and the villains who make no sense. Now, don't worry, we're going to get into it in a little bit, but first, we should kind of warn you a little bit. Okay, spoiler time! Yes, spoiler alert! (laughs) So if you do not want to be spoiled for this movie, because this movie definitely, you don't want to have this spoiled, because this movie's worth watching, so you should pause the podcast right now, watch the movie, then come back and turn the podcast on. Alright? Alright, cool. So, spoiler warning has been given. You guys, I hope you pause the movie, watch it, then come back. Yeah. Pause the movie, rent it, get it on Netflix, get it on I'm sure you can probably... You can, on Netflix you can buy. I bought it for four dollars. The director's yeah. cut, which is the recommended version. I yeah, director's cut was 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 very good. It's yeah, it's cool. eleven minutes longer, but it's cut a lot better in a yeah. little. And I think bit. they improved some of the special effects. Yes, somehow. So, all right, now we're in the spoiler territory. So we've done. So the whole premise now, from the point is that you found that there's a group of men in black who are chasing after John. They're called strangers. Yes, and they are and all they're creepy. Yes, they all look exactly the same. They, I mean, they're not the same actor, but they all have the same features. They are pale-skinned, darkened no eyes, and no hair. And they all wear, like, dark trench coats and fedoras. Yes, and, well, everyone... Some of them are children, some of them are very tall men. One of them is a gyrocopter captain from Road Warrior and Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. They vary from style, but they pretty much are the same. They all have bad hygiene. Some yeah. have scars on them, which looks like they are fatal. Yeah. It kind of is a little disturbing. And and they're pretty much emotionless. Their face is like a blank, and their voices are very monotone. Yes. They're chasing after John Murdoch, and they are the ones who are perpetrating this crime that he's been framed for. Yes. Now, meanwhile, you have Officer Bumstead, Inspector Bumstead, who is trying to find how all these crimes fit together. 
Right. Because you have three he, stories. He uh, he picks up another detective's caseload. The, the other detective, Wolanski, kind of loses it. He kind of starts losing his mind. So, Bumstead gets a phone call, says he has to go to the crime scene. And so he basically picks up Detective Wolanski's case from him because he basically lost it. And, and that's where he gets started. And he's not he's not exactly happy about it because... Wolanski went crazy. Yeah. And it says there are six serial murders, and John, after waking up next to his girl, looks in his pocket because he has no memory, and he sees a bunch of news clippings saying, serial killer, serial killer, serial yeah. killer, and he's like, oh, right. uh. Even though he's venomously saying, I didn't do this, I know I didn't do this, in the back of your mind you're wondering, is he really the killer? Did he block his memory? We really don't know. So, going back to when he gets up, he comes out of the bathroom, he kind of slips, and he knocks over a fishbowl. And this is kind of an interesting part, because... The goldfish that's in the fishbowl kind of crashes to the floor. The, the fishbowl breaks. He picks up the fish and puts it in the bathtub so it doesn't die. Yeah. So it's kind of a little thing about his his character and that things are not exactly as they what? seem. Now, the woman has these spirals basically cut into her flesh yes. all over her body. And apparently all of the, the victims have this on them. And they look like his... Fingerprints. Yes, his fingerprints have the same shape on them. It's very unusual, and the spirals are a big part of this. This would be perfect for the guy from Uzumagi. He'd be like, spirals, I'm <laughs> so happy! <laughs> but we discover that, like we said, the men in black are chasing after him as he's trying to run away. He finds out that he's the murderer, and mm-hmm. immediately these guys, as they're walking towards him, they kind of try hypnotizing him, saying, sleep? Yes, but he doesn't fall asleep, and... They get shocked by that. They're kind of panic, like, yeah. what the hell? Yeah, they don't know what to do. And and then he starts using his mind to affect what they're standing on, and they basically one of them falls and gets kind of choked out on a rope, which and is pretty cool. Another one ends up getting kind of back decapitated, Yeah, meaning that the back of his skull gets cut on his whole head, and something comes out of the body. And it's like this blue blobby, looks kind of like a spider thing. Yes. It kind of crawls out, and then it, it kind of just flops on the ground. So we've gone from a film noir to a alien movie. Yeah. <laughs> In about 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, maybe 10 minutes. <laughs> so it turns out that aliens, the strangers, run the city. And what they do is every night they swap memories around. Yes. Which brings us back to Kiefer Sutherland. They use him as the person to mix up the memories so you can kind of change... Yeah. Because they don't really, they don't understand human memories and human emotions and stuff. So they needed someone who did to mess with people. And he injects the new memories into their heads with with a syringe, basically. And because of that, they inject a new memory into the person's skull. And then they set a scenario and they watch it to observe it. The whole city is their Petri dish. It's their experiment. Yeah. Because they're trying to find out what makes humans tick. Their end goal is kind of questionable, if you hear it. Right. It makes a little no sense, but it's their petrus trying to study humans, and one of the experiments went wrong, which is John Murdoch. Right. In the beginning of the movie, when he wakes up in the bathtub, he has some blood trickling from his head. And you find out that Kiefer Sutherland was in the process of implanting memories into his skull when he woke up, which he wasn't supposed to do, which apparently happens... Occasionally, and it's not supposed to happen. People wake up during the time when the strangers are rearranging stuff. 
Yes, but the problem is also he used his powers, and he's apparently an yes. evolutionary step above everyone else. Yes. He has these psychokinetic powers, meaning like literal telekinesis, which means he controls shit at the atomic level, not just I can move an object from left yes. to right. He could, he could build and create, and mm-hmm. it's actually pretty cool. Which, which he doesn't realize until the very end of the movie, but... Yeah, it's a little... Getting ahead of ourselves. Yes, getting ahead of ourselves. And now, we like I said, there's three parts of the story. You have the strangers who are hunting John Murdoch. You have John Murdoch who's trying to find who the fuck he is. And then you have William Hurt who's trying to, to solve, to this, solve this murder mystery. Yep. And any film noir has to have a dame. Yep. And Which is Jennifer Connelly. And she is actually John Murdoch's wife, supposedly. Yeah, we'll say she is his <laughs> wife. She's his wife, and according to the memories... She is actually... She had an affair, and yes. John Murdoch said, Fuck you, I'm going to leave, and that's... And he got mad and left, and he disappeared for three weeks. So, in that three weeks' time, he the disappeared, mur- the murder started taking place, I guess, and then he wakes up in that bathtub. And one thing I will want to bring up is the fact is the bath in the bathtub, and the movie opens up, he's naked in water. It's almost yeah. a symbol of him being reborn. Mm-hmm. With no memory, and he's like the audience where we don't know what the fuck's going on. He doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, and we follow him through this journey. And originally, he was actually supposed to be called Walk, and you know, walk along with yeah. him. But eh, well, John Murdoch sounds better. Yeah, I think it kind of sounds like a a good yeah. name for a, a Bumstead is a good name for. Yeah. So they got a kind of naming and, and tricks from old detective movies. Yeah, and the, going on along with the naming. The strangers, they all have weird one-syllable noun names. So one of them is called Mr. Hand. Yes, One is called Mr... Quick, Mr. Knife, Mr. Book, who's the leader of them all. So they just have random, weird one-syllable names, which they never really explain that part, but... It's maybe just to identify themselves Mm -hmm. as the the host body, maybe, because they're all hive mind or something like that. And so as we have Bumstead searching around, and you have... Emma, his wife, searching for him. Mm-hmm. You also have Dr. Schrieber. Keeper Sutherland is playing all the sides against each other, sort of. Yeah. Because he is, like we said, he his job is he works for the strangers, he mixes the memories. He's but, kind of their slave. Yeah, because they threaten him with bodily harm constantly. Yeah. And you see he walks with a limp. Yep. And you see his eye is messed up. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the characters have messed up eyes, which is kind of a theme in the movie, if you notice. Yeah, it's it's weird. I, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it's kind of weird. Like, it's everybody's all the, it's all right, the right eye line, yeah. right eye is kind of, like, weird, and then their left eye is, like, normal, or... it's I don't know. It's, I don't know if that's something that was intentional, or if everybody just happens to have a weird right eye. Everybody they cast just happens to have a weird well, right eye. Well, at the eye. end of the movie, it, it's fixed, so I don't know. Yeah. But Dr. Street was obviously tortured by them. Yes. Know? And you find he's, he was tortured by yes. them. And because and of that, he's... He, he becomes their... They're basically their slave. He actually... You find out that he actually had to remove his memories of his life, and all he was allowed to keep was just the scientific aspect of his life. Because he, he, sci- he was actually a scientist, and they let him keep that so he could work with for them. Yeah. And, and it's pretty volatile how they will treat him so bad and every time he tries to like man up something goes wrong and immediately he goes yeah he's kind of he's kind of a wimp yeah he's like the anti Jack Bauer (laughs) yeah as you said he walks with a limp he's he has a bad heart he says at one point he you know he he has that kind of belabored speech and we assume that all that kind of comes from when he was tortured all right when they show him 
where he's tortured, he's covered in blood, and he and he has to inject the thing into his own head. So yeah, it's it's the strangers have no pity for anything, and yeah. they see us as almost dolls. Mm-hmm. It's very disturbing. So as they're playing all the sides, you see this entire story building, and you see John Murdoch is discovering the truth of the situation. And the movie actually. It's a little slow paced. It's very. It's like a f- old film noir direct yeah. story, like Blade Runner ish or the Maltese Falcon ish, where it's mm-hmm. very. It builds up slowly, but unlike with some stories where it just is quiet and you just like, what? When is this going to pay off? When is it going to pay attention? It actually drops off. Hits at kind of the right time. Yeah. Every every so often it it, it it'll it'll pick up the pace a bit, or it'll give you something to keep you interested in the movie. You don't you don't ever get really bored. Is it like the, where you may start to feel bored, it gives you something to bring you yeah. back in to, to get you back and excited about it. And it does actually wrap up everything. All yes. all questions are wrapped up in a nice little package, which is kind of a failing in the movie because you would have liked some questions left there, alone. There are a, there are some questions that are kind of left. But they're not really. But those are geek ones. questions. Yeah, they're 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 complete geek questions, and 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 I'm I'm completely admitting my geekness to it to it. And the minute I st- we watched we finished the movie, I was like, wait, how are they going to get food? And you know, well that's well that's well that's the st- that's the that's the end, which we won't give that up. Yeah. Um, a couple other things. Now, one last thing before we finish this little spoiler section is in the hunt. One of the strangers decides, they say, all right, Richard O'Brien's character, Mr. Hand, we want you to hunt down John Murdoch, and in order for you to do that, since he has fragments, we're going to implant in you memories. And you see a transformation happen. Yeah. After he gets implanted, he starts to get emotions. He starts to be a little more sadistic. Like, it's not just doing it because he has to. He's doing it because he kind of enjoys messing with people. And also because he kind of has those feelings. Yes. At one point, he actually... I'm pretty sure this scene was cut out of the theatrical cut. He bumps into Emma. He's hunting her down because he thinks she'll lead him to John. And he makes a point that, what if you did not have your own memories? Right. And what? And she's like, well, maybe that'd be a comfort. He's like, well, yeah. what happens if you found something better? He's kind of starting to rebel against mm-hmm. the grain. He's become, yeah. instead of being part of the whole, he's now something new. Yeah. One of the problems that comes with them implanting the someone's memories into themselves is it doesn't. I guess it doesn't agree with them somehow, and it kind of ending up dying or, or not surviving. Apparently, they've they've tried to do this before in in times when they needed to yeah. find some information or, or or try to stop someone, and and it never worked out properly. That was one thing that wasn't in the theatrical cut until the end, and I thought they should have left that that line. They should have taken that part out of the earlier part, because that mm-hmm. gave a little bit too much away. Yeah. Just a little bit. So, now into some of the more existential aspects of this movie, because we could go further into it. I know that was not really a spoiler, because we didn't go over to some of the other minute characters, or the big reveal, or any of the other things, but... It is a spoiler in the fact that if you go into this movie not knowing anything about it, then you'll be shocked when things happen. If you've listened to us now, you won't be shocked at it, and it kind of takes away some of the, yes. the excitement of the movie. Yeah, it will take some of the excitement away, but... You know, like we said earlier, pause it, yeah, watch it, so we can discuss it. But the film, there's a lot of little things about this movie which make it 
very dynamic and very cerebral. I mean, you have the fact that this whole city is under siege, it's being controlled by these shadowy inhabitants that no one knows about, and at the climax of the movie, suddenly the curtain is removed for one person who yeah. now has the director's chair, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like, what the fuck is he going to do now? Right. He basically has the ability... He can play God at this point. He now doesn't have that illusion in front of him. Like, what's he going to do now? Yeah. It it gives you a kind of happy ending, but it's like, really? But, yeah. Because nothing was really necessarily solved. The problem wasn't taken away. It's still there, but... Yeah, it's now... He has to be the one who has to hide the curtain. Yeah. But he's now aware of the cage. Yeah. It's now a gilded mm-hmm. cage for him. Mm-hmm. Is the point mm-hmm. of the film, and it works on a lot of levels. It's very—I don't want to say Freudian, but it's—it's kind of schizophrenic. With the, besides the the fact of the memories and swapping, and are you you if your memory is switched with someone else? It's got a lot of studies of is what it, makes a person tick. If 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 you're gonna change a person's memories and put them in a new situation, does their actual persona still exist within that that new environment. So, for instance, if a person is actually a killer, take those memories away and make them a rich businessman, is the killer gonna come out again, or is he gonna stay the rich businessman? Yeah. Or, or if he wasn't a killer, if, if you give him memories of killing people, is he now going to continue to kill? These questions and more are what make this movie. It's these I don't want to say aspects, but it's these integral part of humanity which makes mm-hmm. this movie, to not make it a pun, but it makes the movie tick. Yes. It makes the movie flow. Yeah. And if you are someone who doesn't get things like you didn't get in Braveheart that the prince was gay, <laughs> or if you didn't get the simple fact that this guy was the murderer within 20 minutes of the movie, not this movie, but in another movie, yeah. or this guy was the killer in Scream... You're gonna be completely lost this movie. You may not like it. Yeah. If you like thinking about things and you can be introspective, this is a pretty good movie. They, they do explain things. You just have to pay attention to it because they sometimes they're thrown in at, at random times, and you, if you're not paying attention enough, you may miss little bits and pieces that they're giving you. And and they're subtle enough that the hints make sense. They're just a little bit subtle. I mean, they do go back and they replay everything, so yeah. it, it kind of... At the end of the movie, they, they explain everything, yeah. <laughs> for the most part. They, they pretty much give you the entire layout. Yeah. But if you didn't understand the layout by then, yeah. you're probably not going to understand it when they just tell you it, either. Yeah, and, <laughs> and unlike with the theatrical cut, which actually in the first... Two minutes of the movie, they spoil everything. They explain the city's an experiment. They right, right, explain right. everything in the first two minutes. Yeah, I, the director's cut much better because it just it just opens up with no information at all. You're just kind of like, uh, yeah. like I almost forgot what movie I was watching like when I first started it because I was just like, um, what was this movie about again? Because it was a very long time since I watched it beforehand. Yeah, it's it's got that rewatchability over time. Some people mm-hmm. say it doesn't have a rewatchability because once you know the secret, but there's a lot of little things in this movie which make it because it's a human drama. It's a character study. It's yeah, a little bit of an adventure story, but it's 
a mystery at heart of a man mm-hmm. trying to find out who he is. Yeah. And what does he do when he finds out that information? Right. Really? It's, that's what this movie is completely. Now, a couple of things that were good about this movie was the design. It looks very different. And they explain, like, some parts of the movie look like it was the 1920s, some look like it was the 1970s. Some, some look like the 1940s, 1950s, 1960s. The police officers are all dressed like 20s. They look like old mob movie police officers with, like, double-buttoned uniforms. And you have people in trench coats and fedoras and... But then you have nightclubs, which look like they belong in the 60s. Yeah, you have, like, jazz nice nightclubs. And it's... So it's it's all a, a jumble of, of different time frames and, and different you know. And you find out the reason why is because they it's the mixing and matching of the memories. That's how they make the city. Right. And that's why everything doesn't look like it fits. The sets are all very dark, obviously, but they they all have like a certain appeal to them. They drive the story a little bit too, because you you wonder why they're living in in a house that doesn't that's not very nice or 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 why certain buildings look very dim and dark, and then you have other ones that look like... They're opulent. Yeah. And you, it has this very dreary feel to the film, and it's very green. The green from the screen looks... It works. Yeah. Because it's a city without any light. Mm-hmm. As we m- forgot to actually mention, Yeah. the city doesn't have any light. never has any sunlight. It's just perpetually night because the strangers can't handle daylight. Yeah. They're kind of vampires. They actually would fit under the zombie list. Potentially, yes. Potentially, even though it's, it's actually mm-hmm. possession. But the city is a character in its own itself, and it's constantly shaping and evolving and changing. And it's a place which actually you'd want to visit, not in your nightmares, but kind of has that kind of cool, like that film noir feel to yeah. it. And it. Actually, like the jazz club is a place you'd want to go to to just get a drink and chill out in the back. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a place that you would enjoy going to if you're just into listening to music and having a drink and relaxing. Yeah, I mean, like, some of the stuff's kind of crappy, like the whole fucking automat. I mean, they can't, yeah. those went away in the 20s. Now, yeah. some of you are wondering, what's an automat? Now, an automat is a place where you used to go with a bunch of windows, and you take, and it's like a vending, the old school vending machines. You basically put in a quarter, open the door, and then, and then you grab the food that's inside. So there might be a thing of Jello on a plate, and you put the quarter in, you open it up, and you take the Jello out. And then there's a guy that's behind the thing, Basically restocking each of the windows of, with different things and making the food and yes. preparing it. So it's like it's kind of like a diner, but not as good. Yeah, everything's prepared and, and waiting. It's there. not even a Perkins level. I would say it's old people level. Yeah, like retirement home level. Food. <laughs> it's mostly cold food because if you you can't really put hot food in it because it wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, like you so can have desserts apple pie and, and, and yeah. random sandwiches and things like that. Yeah. And it works out, especially because it's a main part of the movie, the automat. Mm-hmm. It's a, one of the big pieces of the puzzle. Um, another area they have is the police station where I spend a lot of time of, and that's a mishmash of everything. Because you have yeah. the old rotary phones, but then you have the typewriters, yeah. from the, and then you have the, the chalkboards and mm-hmm. whatnot. And yep. Very old old school type of police station. Not, not, not with like all the computers and stuff like that. But. Yeah, it... And the movie has that atmosphere which works mm-hmm. and then the strangers underground because in order to get to the strangers you have to actually take this roller coaster which actually kind of works because the movie is a roller coaster yeah and this their underground is just you can't really describe it it's very it's just like a big auditorium kind of thing and there's a big face on the wall yes and it opens up and when it opens up a clock appears and that's mm-hmm. 
how they stop the time to change things. There's also a process line for objects which they make in order to fabricate everything. Right. And and to take away people's memories. So things that... Something that a person might have written down in a journal, maybe. If they they take their memories away, they can't leave that journal there, so they have to take that journal away and give it to the person that they're giving the memories to. Yes. Yeah. It's just a very... The design is... It's astounding, and it, the costumes for the for the strangers is kind of part of the design element. They're very it's hard to explain. They're very phantom like, even though they they're not like they do float around. They can fly, but they're not. They have legs. They have arms. They have a head, but they're just very. When, even when they're walking around, it doesn't look like they're walking. It looks like they're kind of just gliding around the floor. So it's like because of the way their their outfits are, are designed. Yeah, and they're all very just... It's uniform, it's very inhuman. Yeah. Which is what they are. They are inhuman because they're essentially <coughs> walking corpses with psychic abilities. Yeah, parasites in their head. Yes. Also, speaking of designs, the tuning, I really dug. I like that it, was, it wasn't It was just like they just see stuff manipulating, they're just looking there. Mm-hmm. You actually saw the circles. Actually. Yeah, there's there's actual special effects going on when when they do their... Ability. I mean, at one point later on, there's a battle, and at that point, you have two opposing forces creating actually a singularity. Yeah. And it's a very good scene, but then around them, you have effects around them yeah. changing, and it looks kind of... That looks fake, but the singularity yeah. in the fight looks really good. So there's like there's like like pillars like kind of like jutting out of the floor, and things are like, uh, like shooting out of the walls and stuff like that, and that part kind of does look a little fake. But... But you have to remember that this movie came out in 98, so CG wasn't the the art that it is today. It still but holds up. It did it does hold up for for a movie that was made in 1998. You can you can watch this movie and not be like, "Oh, that looks fake" or "I oh, look stupid." Like you it doesn't it's not something that would really bother you. You won't even you, if you're not looking at super closely at it, you probably wouldn't even notice it. Yes. Now, story was well done. The actors, some people say, oh, they phoned it in or whatnot. I've heard some other podcasts talk about how they phoned in. No. All the actors worked really well with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, Rufus Sabre has a very thick British accent, usually. Mm -hmm. But in this movie, for 98% of it, he has... He does a pretty good job of of not having an accent. There's one slip up, which if you you don't... It's a very short line, so if you're not even paying attention, you don't even notice it. I personally didn't notice it, and you said it, and you were like, you brought his accent back, and I was like, oh, oh. I didn't even hear it. Because it, it was like three words, Eddie. Yeah, it's just because doing audio podcasts and editing, I've picked up shit like that. <laughs> but everyone does a good job. Even the stuttering and the, the very defensive and, well, nebbish, mm-hmm. Dr. Schriebert, that acting was great, because usually yeah. you think, for something, you think, badass motherfucker, and <laughs> yeah. that was literally yeah. like... It's kind of, it's definitely a departure from his roles, usually, so... Yeah, it's a shame this movie didn't do as well as it did. I, it's a movie I would recommend, I really would. Yeah. It's a good film school movie, and it's also just a good story in depth, and there's also mm-hmm. tits in it. Yeah, there's some tits in it. Strangers are interesting. The way they speak to each other is very computeristic, and it's... Yeah. I know computeristic is more, but it's very computerized and just very monotone. It's like, hello, Mr. Boob. Hello, Mr. Tit. So they're, they just, they have they have no emotion whatsoever. It's it's just... It's like... Monotone, yeah. 
And and the only reason why they I the, the only reason why they have names is, be, is so they can just identify because they're all they're all pretty much the same person. Say they have a hive mind, and which they explain in the, in the movie. They've basically taken over human corpses, and that's how they've. They're a society that's on the brink of its extinction, basically. Yes. And they're just that's what's driving the experiment. We yeah. won't get further into it. Now, a couple things before we get into the final review part of this. One, this movie actually inspired a lot of movies, including Inception, parts of The Matrix, and The 13th Floor, and Memento. It had a very cerebral and integral, integrated cityscape, Yeah, which works pretty good. Also, this movie was actually inspired by Akira, that last fight. Yeah. Even though I don't see it, because in the last fight in Akira, it was Kaneda with a freaking energy blaster. Yeah. And Tetsuo with his psychic ability going crazy, but they uh, they also this this movie is sort of a retelling of the allegory of the cave. So now, who would you say is the MVP in this movie? Who was, did the best job acting overall? Or who was your character that you said was the one who worked the best? I would say Mr. Hand was probably the best actor for in terms of evil. Part of it, uh, I think, in terms of the good guys, I think William Hurt was probably. Yes. I, I like in the beginning. He says when when he first takes over from Walansky, he's like, is, "Am I am I being punished for my sins?" Because he walks into the office and it's just there's just papers all over the walls and and just crazy nonsense. So he's he's not a bad guy. He's he's trying to solve a murder, obviously, and he and he you know he, he ends up siding with with the main character, but. You get the little nuances of him yeah. being not a wisecracker, but the first part when when he when he first catches up with the main character, basically he's trying to arrest him. And the main character runs off, and, and the the line he says is, "Why does nobody listen to me?" Because <laughs> he tells him stop. <laughs> yeah. So just you know, just little lines like that. They're they're subtle, but they're I think they're they're well done to get yeah. like his personality. For me, I'm going to say it's going to be probably the MVP for acting. Would have won with Dr. Schreiber because it's such a departure and it's a mm-hmm. pretty interesting character. It's acted very well. And Kiefer Sutherland is a good actor. He's a really yeah. good actor. I mean, Mr. Hand is very, you know, it's the other big yeah. actor. And William Hurt does a great job. The whole cast does a good job. Mm-hmm. The only one who kind of was a little flat was, even though she's really hot and I enjoyed a lot of it, was Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, there's a couple lines where she kind of just sounds... Like she's not in it, or if she or if she didn't understand what she was what she was trying to do. But she she did as good as she could. There's a, a scene which I like in the movie, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, where she is talking to Emma is talking to John over the phone in the police visiting center because he's been yeah. arrested, and she bring he brings up the point like, what if we never met before today? First time we ever met was yesterday in your apartment, our apartment. Yeah. And he's like, and how could you love me? And she says, it doesn't matter. I love you. And he believes her. It's kind of that soulmate. Yeah. She said you, you can't make that up. So it's kind of like, even if they don't have any memories of each other, yeah. they'll still end up together if it's if they're soulmates. They're, you know, if, they're, if they're really in love with each other, mm-hmm. memories won't matter. And it actually gives you that, uh, that feeling at the ending that they may mm-hmm. have the happy ending. But yeah. we will... We'll never know unless you read lots of creepy fanfics or other things. <laughs> or, or they make a sequel, which they're not. I don't think Oz Parks is ever going to make yeah, a sequel. This, this, this is not a movie that, that is a sequel. This is standalone. Yeah. So, 
overall, for those of you who don't know, we have a five-point rating system. We don't use numbers, we use phrases. Now, our lowest rating is protests outside your local red box, so no one rents a reprehensible piece of shit. To our highest rating, which is really, really, really fucking cool, if you don't buy us now, you bring them freeze. We forfeit to the 12th layer of hell, where you will be forced to watch episode one for all eternity with Jar Jar Binks leaning on you, massaging your shoulders, and saying, Miss, I love you! Miss, I love you! Miss, I love you! That's, that's, that's not good. For all, <laughs> for all eternity. I'm gonna have nightmares now. So, I would actually give this movie, well, the director's cut anyway. I would give it a borrow from a friend and don't return unless offered well my customary lemonheads. The movie is really good. A lot of people don't like it, but I happen to enjoy the film. It's thought-provoking, it's interesting, it's a character study, but it's got that film noir style that you don't see anymore, and it's executed very well. Yeah. You don't see that anymore. I mean, it's got a Sin City comic book feel, but it wasn't based off a comic book. It was based on just a story that Alex Proya wrote. Yeah. I, I would say, if you're talking about the, the regular edition, alright, because chances are somebody you know probably has this movie on DVD for the regular version, I would say borrow it, watch it, never return it, I guess. But if, if, if you want to, and then if you like it, go out and buy the director's cut, because it does add a little bit, and it does fix some of the problems with the original movie. Yeah. Like, for instance... The beginning part where they, they basically ruin the whole movie for you in the first five seconds with the dialogue that they put on the screen. Yeah. They take that out. They take it out. Take out a couple <laughs> other little instances where they give away too much, like Dr. Schrieber reveals that he knows everything about Bumstead, like saying, you, you play an instrument from your mother, and says all this stuff, and they yeah. just cut it down to just literally, you're neurotic, yeah. man. They take out some lines that are just and unnecessary. And they throw on some other lines. Yeah. But it works. Soundtrack, one thing I forgot was the soundtrack was pretty good. Yeah, I would say I would say the soundtrack is good. It, it, it does help create the mood in a lot of the sections. And also, if, if you get the soundtrack, it's actually going to have a different rendition than the director's cut because there are two scenes where Emma is singing and it has Anita Kelsey. Yeah. She sings The Night Has a Thousand Eyes and Sway, two very famous songs. And in the director's cut, it has Jennifer Connelly singing it. Which is, I think, better. If you're trying to dub in somebody's voice, it's kind of like whatever. But it's it's actually Jennifer Connelly singing, and she does have a pretty good voice. It's not something she could start a recording career on, but in terms of in a movie singing a song in a, a dive bar, you know, jazz singing dive bar, yeah. it makes perfect sense. Like, her voice is, is just about perfect for that, because she's not the greatest singer in the world. Yeah, she but makes she's a mistakes. Good, but, was... but she's a good singer, and that's and that's kind of the point. You're you're you know, she's not a famous singer. She's yeah. a relatively unknown singer in a club. And the album is pretty good. The score is excellent. I mean, some of this the music, the Strangers theme is a little bit. That's the one thing that's a little bit repetitive. The dun 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 yeah. dun dun. But it's it gets very repetitive. Now, uh, before we get into since we're almost out of the review, we should be done, but. Last thing I want to say is, if you like this movie, a couple other movies I'd recommend are the movie M, Metropolis, Brazil, and City of Lost Children, maybe. Actually, no, no, Inception, I would say, and, of course, and 13th Floor. Yeah. The Matrix, everyone's at least seen it, but the the 13th Floor is... The City of Lost Children is is very... The feel of the movie, although the the plot of the movie is completely different, and, and really, they're not related in any way, but the... But the set design and the feel of the movie is very yeah. similar. So if you like the feel of this movie, the way, the kind of, the strangeness to it, yeah. the old-time buildings, the old-time architecture, City of Lost Children is, is definitely a good a good pick. Yeah. 
if you're not a fan of the film noir, if you're not a film of detective stories, if you if you go to a movie just to turn your brain off, says you're not going to like this movie. Zorro admitted he didn't like this movie. He feels it's a little too much for him. Mm. He just he gets lost in it. I like I personally like to see movies that that kind of make me think about stuff or make me have to try to figure out some things as I'm watching the movie instead of just kind of like, oh, let's blow stuff up. Even though Although I like stuff that bl- gets blown up. Sometimes I like movies that that are a little bit more mentally stimulating. Yes. One thing, guys, this is not a date movie. No, probably not. This is probably a movie that you watch with your movie buff friends. Yes. And, and uh, maybe have a drinking game for if you could... Find all the spirals. <laughs> yeah. Or every time the strangers make the clicking noise, take a shot. <laughs> I've still heard the worst drinking game of all time is the Doctor Who drinking game. I heard the movie one will kill you. Yeah. <laughs> What was that other drinking game? We, uh, I've done the Rocky Horror drinking game. We've done the... Uh, Harvey Birdman drinking game. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> Have you got that thing I sent you? Three shots! <laughs> bi Curious. <laughs> yes. Not, I'm not Bi Curious. It's just a funny line from the show. Yes, it is. Definitely check out Harvey Birdman if you get a hold of it. Either way. So now let us get on with that party on Wayne 4 and what are we talking about? We're talking about that one. That only. The now, for those who don't know, the Dodecahedron is a 12-sided object, and what we've done is we've assigned nine movies to this object. We're going to roll it and see what number it lands on. Now, some of you are wondering, wait, nine? Twelve? Doesn't compute! <laughs> yes. The reason why is that we have three rigged numbers. Now, if it lands on a ten... It means that co-host choice, which means it would be Timbo's choice. Ah. If it lands on an 11, that is roll again. And if it lands on a 12, that is going to be my choice, host choice. So, Timbo, roll and see what we're going to review. This list was made by a crazy person. List was made by a crazy person. We got a 9. A 9. And a 9 is... This movie is strange and unusual. It's a movie starring Dan Aykroyd from the 80s. Huh. And he actually wears a metal claw. Interesting. It's a pretty bad movie. (laughs) It's funny, but it's bad. The only reason why I bought it was it was $2.99. Oh my god. (laughs) But the movie we're reviewing is Dr. Detroit. So we Dr. Detroit. That's Dr. Detroit, which has Fran Dresser in it as his hey. love interest. This is when she was young and not creepy. Right. But she was still she still had that voice. There's a very easy way to but there's a very easy way to make her quiet. What what if what if what if Fran Dresser was one of the strangers? Then she wouldn't do the clicking though, she'd just go Like I said. Very simple way to make her quiet. <laughs> it would be beneficial to you. That's true. She was very hot in the, in back in the day. Yes, she was. And now I'd like her to be my nanny. Not, yeah, well, not, <laughs> not now. Not now, guys. And it's very late, and now we're we're done. So, <laughs> for, with that in mind, this is Timbo, and my favorite quote was. Hold it right there, Mister. Wait, you have the wrong man. Stand aside, please. I didn't kill anyone. 
Right now, where you are is a suspect. Turn yourself in. Now listen to whatever you have to say. You're not going to believe what I have to say. Try me. There's someone after me. There's this, this group of men. They want me dead. And I don't even know if... I, they're not even... Yeah, who's going to listen to a madman? Hand aside, Mrs. Murdoch. No one ever listens to me. And this is your host, Zahn, and my favorite quote from 1998's Dark City was... Is it done? Oh yes, Mr. Book. I have John Murdoch in mind. <laughs> Catch you guys next time, and remember... The Ides of March. Beware, beware, the Ides of March. Yes. They're already over, but... Yes, they Just are. beware them anyway. Beware, beware. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
first there was darkness. Then came the strangers. They abducted us and brought us here. This city, everyone in it, is their experiment. They mix and match our memories as they see fit, trying to divine what makes us unique. One day, a man might be an inspector. The next, someone entirely different. When they want to study a murderer, for instance, they simply imprint one of their citizens with a new personality. Arrange a family for him, friends, an entire history, even a lost wallet. Then they observe the results. Will a man, given the history of a killer, continue in that vein? Or are we, in fact, more than the mere sum of our memories? This business of you being a killer was an unhappy coincidence. You have had dozens of lives before now. You just happened to wake up while I was imprinting you with this one. Why are they doing all this? It is our capacity for individuality, our souls, that makes us different from them. They think they can find the human soul if they understand how our memories work. All they have are collective memories. They share one group mind. They're dying, you see. Their entire race is on the brink of extinction. They think we can save them. Where do I fit in? You are different, John. You resisted my attempt to imprint you. Somehow, you have developed their ability to tune. That is how they changed things. That is how they built this city. They have machines buried deep beneath the surface that allow them to focus their telepathic energies. They control everything here, even the sun. That's why it's always dark. They can't stand the light. So why do they need you? When they first brought us here, they extracted what was in us so they could store the information, remix it like so much paint, and give us back new memories of their choosing. But they still needed an artist to help them. I understood the intricacies of the human mind better than they ever could. So they allowed me to keep my skills as a scientist because they needed them. But they made me delete everything else. Can you imagine what it is like being forced to erase your own past? What about my past? What about my childhood? Shell Beach, Uncle Carl. What about this? This was blank when I found it. You still don't understand, John. You were never a boy. Not in this place. Your entire history is an illusion, a fabrication, as it is with all of us. You made those drawings happen with your gift. You say they brought us here. From where? Shut it down! Shut it down forever!